Devora Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. Good morning, everybody. This class is sponsored by Suzanne uh, Gautan. Am I pronouncing your last name right? Yeah, Gautan, in memory of her dear father, Zeb Ben Yitzchak Mendel Halevi, who um, your site it is today, I believe. And um, his neshama should have an aliyah. I just want to see a little bit about Suzanne's father. Like so many of you, his, her father uh, was a survivor of the Holocaust. He was 13 when the Holocaust began. And in those early years, he did whatever he could to find food for his family. He lost his whole family and endured many other unimaginable experiences. After the war, he built a family and was a wonderful husband and father. He devoted his entire life to his family and helping others and was a true Baal Chesed. So Suzanne, we we wish your father an, an aliyah, his neshama should have an aliyah in the merit of our learning today. Thank you so much for sponsoring. So just a little review from last week, we're speaking about the Mida of Ka'as, of anger. And uh, some of the interesting things that we discovered is that one of the opposites of anger, we usually think that the opposite of anger is patience. But we said that the source, sources tell us that the opposite of anger, of ka'as, is actually hesed, kindness. And the reason that this, is, that, that this is given is because anger, as we know, is a destructive force. Anger is compared to fire. And anger is destructive. And the opposite of destroying is rebuilding, as Suzanne's father was able to do after the Holocaust, and so many Jews have done throughout history, rebuilding. And so chesed, which is the idea of building something up, is the opposite of ka'as, which is the destruction of things. Uh, we also said that... Um, Deeper than uh, the Mida of anger, even though when we are in in an angry place, we feel so powerful and it seems so deep and so all-consuming, as is fire, the sages tell us, the rabbis teach us that deeper than, than anger is a more, even more a potent uh, emotion, which is that of love and compassion, so that we can actually dig deeper than anger and go to this place of love and compassion. And the last thing we said last week, we started to talk about the relationship between anger and bitachon. And we were saying that the person with bitachon, of course, understands that everything happens because Hashem wills it to be that way. And we said when it comes to natural disasters, like, for example, a pandemic, I know you can't imagine that, you know, like... A <laughs> People locked in their houses because of this, this virus, you know, nothing we could ever imagine in our wildest dreams, uh, you know, an earthquake, a hurricane. It's very easy for us to understand that this is Hashem. It's not in our control. He's doing it. We can come up with all kinds of reasons of why this is happening. You know, it's Mashiach is coming. It's the beginning of the, it's the end of end before the new beginning of the world and all kinds of things that we can learn and take away from having had to be in a pandemic. But that's not so easy to do. We said when it's a person in your life that is giving you trouble that makes you anxious that gets you annoyed that gets you angry and we joked last week that it might be helpful if that person wore a little sign on them that said natural disaster coming your way right <laughs> because if we understand that everything and everyone in our life and all of what goes on around us is all orchestrated by Hashem above 
And rather than say, why is he doing this to me? Why is she doing that to me? How dare they say this to me? How dare they don't listen to me? Whatever it is, we have to try and take it up to a higher spiritual place where we can um, be able to um, see it from a less emotional place and ask, what am I supposed to learn from this? Or what we said last week, what does my anger teach me about myself? Okay, the purpose for anger is to teach us about ourselves. What are our triggers? What gets us going? So your homework last week was to uh, observe yourself in moments of anger. Thank God I had a few uh, <laughs> few of those moments. I felt like, okay, Hashem, why are you giving me more of these moments? It must be because I'm teaching anger. Or maybe I'm just more aware of, uh, yeah, that passionate side of myself. But it's interesting because I, I personally, and it would be wonderful to hear from you guys if anybody wants to share. Um, you know, I, I, I think that a lot of times anger can be very much connected to perfectionism, right? We wanted things to be just right. We wanted things to be just perfect. So, you know, when you come down for Shabbos and you've already lit the candles, for example, and this is just a wild example that I came up with, um, you know, and somebody in your home set the table for Shabbos, right? Because that's their job. And yet you all of a sudden notice that there's two $20 bills on the table, right? So, okay, Mishka Fairlock, big deal. So what, you know, but you know, that instantaneous moment of shock, as Rob Orlowick says, surprise is the enemy of emotion. But what I'd like to say is surprise is the enemy of a measured response. Okay. And, and so it's often something surprising like that. So you, you know, what is that doing on the table? I, you know, like, why didn't the person who set the table get rid of it? Isn't, you know, whatever. Anyway, these kind of things, these kind of moments, which are clean, clean a kite, right? Small little nonsense things. But I think that that trigger is often, you know, but things are supposed to be perfect. Now, at the same time, I had seemed to have left my cell phone not only on, okay, but in the kitchen on a counter, which, you know, could easily be knocked over or whatever. And I was having my grandchildren for Shabbos because my daughter-in-law is about to give birth at any time. So anyway, the point is, Nothing was perfect, and that was a trigger. Um, just, uh, I'm just putting that out there. So it's very important for us to realize what's underneath the anger and how anger teaches us something about ourselves, right? Our ability to let go, our ability to look away, our ability to say, it's not, you know, I don't have to, I'm not in control. And of course, this was clearly a test from Hashem saying it's not about the person, it's about how you're going to respond and what your trigger is. It oh, can also be yes. about what's important to you. And what's important to you, exactly. What's important to you. And uh, that's, that's part of it. There's many, many reasons why. So, so anger is feeling that someone has control over me. Um, I just want to bring down in the Talmud, there's a story about an executioner in the Gemara who's about to execute two Jews. And of course, these Jews are must be on an extremely high level. They recognize that everything is in Hashem's hands. And they basically say to the executioner, you know, you have no power over us. Because it's not you that is doing this act. Your ability to end our lives only comes if Hashem wills it, if it's Hashem's ratzon. Now, I mean, you know, standing in that kind of a situation and, and understanding that to that kind of clarity are people who've worked on their bitachon their entire life. Okay. Um, so anger is usually hiding a different emotion. 
Okay. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is what is my anger hiding? It could be shame. It could be anxiety. And anger just comes and it's almost like a displacement. It's a way of hiding that which is really the trigger. So anger is feeling that someone has control over me, and this is what angers me. But what we have to ask is, why did Hashem want this to happen to me? And when we put the other person in the picture, it helps to put the anger in perspective. For example, we could say, I wanted to sleep, and she woke me up. I spent a lot of money on that thing, and she just broke it. I wanted to go to that place and you just slowed me down and now I'm late. So when you think objectively, you can understand that whatever was done by another person was maybe unintentional and probably unintentional and not to hurt me. But when we're in a place already triggered, we have a very difficult time responding in any kind of objective way. You know, we think, oh, you're out to get me. You did this on purpose. How could you do such a thing to me? And our ability to think objectively becomes very, very difficult. So when we see a situation that creates anger, there's really two questions that we have to ask. What really happened? How much of this is my own subjective processing? Right? Very often when we're able to talk it out with the person, we're like, oh, really? I didn't know that that's what you were thinking. Or I didn't realize that. But everybody has a reason for what they do. And most people are not wicked and evil in our lives. We don't have people around us like that. So interestingly, how, we have to ask ourselves, how much of this is subjective, my, my own subjective processing, and how much is this really what the other person did to me? And Dina Schoonmaker calls this looking at the trigger plus baggage, plus our own baggage. The trigger was someone tripped and broke an object. My baggage is I loved that thing, and now I don't have it anymore. So we often process things with a lot of baggage. You know, our kid just spilled juice on the floor right before Shabbos, the stickiest substance possible, before I was having 100 guests coming for Friday night dinner. <laughs> and, you know, I'm all showered. I'm not fitzy anymore. I worked hard all day and trigger plus baggage, right? Someone criticizes me. And I have a lot of baggage around criticism because I grew up in a very critical home. And I take it badly because I hate to be criticized, right? It's a trigger from my childhood. So, you know, it's not easy to do this, obviously, and this usually doesn't come till much later. But we talk about our primary response and our secondary response. The secondary response is to try to understand what happened from the other person's angle. And this detracts from the anger so that I can see my own baggage and what it was that triggered me. Like in the example that you gave with the money, obviously whoever left it there didn't do it on purpose per se because they know it's muksa, right? Yeah, no, they didn't. They thought that I had it there because it was there for a reason and I would probably take care of it before Shabbos. Uh, yeah. they, didn't feel they should move it since I had put it there. And uh, <laughs> Okay, all right. Enough about that story. We're not getting any deeper into that story. Okay, we'll, you know, I don't want you to figure out the characters in the, in the play. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so... Anger is an ugly emotion that needs to be deciphered, and it can help me have a deeper understanding of not only what I'm missing, but what the person who's getting angry at me is missing. Okay, 
Now I want to go into more of the different types of angry people. And you can, each of us can find ourselves in the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. And also I'm going to be drawing a lot from this book called Mesilas Yesharim. Mesilas Yesharim in English is called The Path of the Just. It's a Musser Sefer, Sefer that is devoted to character development. It was written by a man, a rabbi named Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lusato. And um, it's de rigueur in every yeshiva. A lot of boys will learn this safer for a half an hour every morning before they begin uh, their day of learning Torah. And I just want to read you a little bit about Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato so we're all educated, okay? All right. So he was commonly known as the Ramchal, an acronym for his name, and was born in Padua, Italy in 1707. Um, from an early age, he devoted himself to Torah study at the highest level. He wrote many, many works which reveal the hidden wisdom of the written and oral Torah as well as Kabbalah. It is reported that by the time he was 14, he was fluent in all the Kabbalistic teachings of the Zohar and the Holy Arizal. When he was 17, Ramchal became leader of a small group of like-minded young men known as Mevakshe Hashem, Seekers of Hashem. They studied together intensively and dedicated themselves to prepare the world for the presence of the Shekhinah. Anyway, he ended up moving from Padua, Italy, where he lived in Amsterdam for many years, and that was the most productive period of his life. And in this book, this Sefer, the Sefer, by the way, the Vilna Gaon, who was considered the greatest genius, um, was 27 years old when the Ramchal died. And he said he did not see uh, the Ramchal during the, uh, during the author's lifetime. And when he read his work, he said, I, I would have gone personally to see him no matter where he lived, just to learn from him. Okay, there's very much said about this work, and it's a wonderful sefer. And basically, it's it's arranged like different a ladder. Masilas Yasharim is the word. Masilas um, is is a ladder, a sulam, and it talks about character development and how a person has to go from one rung to the next to be able to develop himself in terms of his character, because the greater your character is. Of course, character development and learning Torah go together, right? You need ein derech eretz ein Torah. If you don't have uh, proper midot, proper character development, then the Torah, so to speak, cannot rest upon you, cannot be integrated properly within you. So the introduction of this book, basically the Ramchal writes, and this is just an incredible introduction, I didn't compose this work to teach people what they do not know, but rather to remind them of what they already know and is abundantly evident to them. For you will not find in most of my words anything other than matters that most people know and do not doubt at all. However, he goes on to say that because these ideas are so um, ever-present and so simple, the degree to our forgetfulness of these basic matters is also very, very large. And he goes on to say that I'm just coming here to teach people what they already know. So in his work, he discusses a lot of different midot. And in his section on nikias, which means cleanliness, being a clean person, he talks about the mida of gaiva, arrogance, and then he speaks specifically about our topic, which is the Mita of anger. And this is where we're going to get a lot of our um, resource, our sources from. The other place that we're going to start with, of course, is the famous Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, which talks about the four different types of people. Okay, the four different types of temperament. There's the first one who is angered easily. But he's also pacified easily. So he gets angry really quickly, all the time. 
but he also calms down very quickly. And it says his gain is offset by his loss, right? The fact that he calms down quickly is wonderful, except that he's always needing to do that, okay? The second one is somebody who's hard to anger, but also very hard to pacify. So they don't get angry so easily, so frequently, but boy, oh boy, when they do, watch out because they're not talking to you for the next month. <laughs> okay. My, my mother was not a yeller, but when my mother would be upset. She'd go into her room and close the door. And I still remember as a kid, you know, she wouldn't talk to us for two days, but, but I still remember, you know, my father would come in and he, you know, he'd say to all of us kids, is your mother talking to anybody yet? You know, <laughs> you know, whatever, but you know, that's how some people handle handle upset and other people are yellers okay um so this person who's hard to anger and uh, hard to pacify his loss is of, uh, offset by his gain then we have number three a person who's hard to anger and easy to pacify so that's considered a tzaddik right very difficult to anger and very easy to pacify and then the last one is one who's easily angered and hard to pacify, and he's called wicked, Russia. Now, I just like to say that it's interesting here that we don't have any category that says, and then there is the person who never gets angry, okay? Because I don't think there is such an animal, so to speak, right? So we do fit into one of these categories, and we're going to talk more about this. So the four different types of people in their relationship to anger. So the one who's hard to anger and easy to appease, obviously, is the chassid. He is the highest level of a person. We call a chassid somebody who is beyond uh, regular, right? Beyond the call of duty, so to speak. Now, this pious person, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have anger. It's just very hard to make him angry. Because again, anger is part of the human experience. Hashem placed it within us for a reason. And there's no category, as I said, of someone who doesn't get angry. So anger is something that we all have to work on. And we talked a little bit last week about, of course, we always talk about our primary response, which the Musser Rabbanim explained to us, we are not responsible for right? When we have an outburst of anger, when we're impatient, when we're jealous, when we're greedy, when we are motivated by our negative characteristics that we again said that we are all given at birth, we didn't choose them. We may have um, learned them from the people around us. So they may be really, you know, became stronger within us or we adopted them. But generally speaking, those things which are home air, the raw material that Hashem created us with, we don't have a lot of control over them. And that's called our home air. But where we do have control is in our secondary response. What are we going to do with what just happened? How are we going to regulate, self-regulate in this area that gives me trouble, that, you know, comes to bite me all the time? So again, the other way we can describe that is moving from the regesh, from that place of emotion, and moving it to the seichel, moving it to the place of objective, critical thinking, which is very difficult to do at the moment. But we are obligated to do, according to the Torah, in order to, again, take that homer that Hashem gave us, who I am is God's gift to me, but who I become is my gift to God. So take that homer and create something beautiful out of it, right? So we have the goal. So we said about women in general that women's anger very often comes from overload. Because as women, we sometimes have to deal with a lot. So in this VAD, we're specifically targeting women and anger. 
And our goal is to have more patience, to have better self-regulation skills, to be able to remain calmer. Now, the Ramchal we just spoke about in the Silas Sharm, as I said, places this work of removing ourselves from anger in the section on Nikia, which means cleanliness. Because certain midot, there are certain midot that don't allow a person to be clean from avera, from sin. These midot are the same ones that take away our sechel, our brain, right? And we're going to talk about how physiologically we literally lose the ability to use our brains when we are in anger mode. And so once we've lost our cognitive abilities, these easily take us to a place of avera, of sin, right? We start saying things we know we shouldn't say, perhaps doing things we shouldn't do. And of course, that's what happens. We turn, like we said, from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde. And we have what's called uh, being egodystonic, right? We can't recognize ourselves. We say, hey, wait a second, that's not me. And there's almost some kind of like split between I'm not that person. Who was that person? Um, so the, the, um, the midot that the Ramchal discusses, which do this to all of us, are the midas of anger, jealousy, and haughtiness, gaiva. These midot um, take us to a place of total illusion, There's another place in Pirkei where it says that Taiva also desires remove a person from the world, meaning they can't enjoy the world when they're consumed by these kind of uh, character traits. And these meter are all inherently problematic, inherently problematic, but they're also problematic because of their outcome. That's not what I wanted to do is often how we feel after we got angry. That's not what I wanted to say. That's not what, you know, that's not how I wanted to respond. When we're angry, we lose our sense of responsibility and control. The seicha leaves the person. And now the outcome is no longer in your control. So the, in, the Ramchal in the Masilis Tisharim outlines five categories of anger. And the first one, which we're not really going to talk about because this is the one of angels. So I guess there are people who never got angry. And that would be uh, characterized by the famous Hillel Hazakim. For those of you who don't know the story, Hillel was one of the great rabbis in our past. Um, he was known for the fact that he never got angry. And there's stories about how, you know, some guy had a bet with his friend and said, I'm going to make Hillel angry. And he waited until Hillel was in the shower and he banged on his door. And, you know, I should have reviewed this story for you. I didn't know I was going to tell it. But basically, he banged on his door and Hillel, of course, gets out of the shower and dries himself off and comes down. And there's some guy standing there. He says, why do uh, these kind of people have eyes like this? That's the kind of questions he asks him, right? And Hillel explains to him why that is. And then he goes back up to the shower. And basically, once he's back in the shower, this guy starts banging on the door again. And again, he gets out of the shower and he comes down and he asks him, you know, why do these kind of people have flat feet, right? Anyway, you can imagine the story basically goes on and on three or four times. And, you know, Hillel keeps getting out of the shower and coming down and giving an answer. And basically, this guy loses the bet. And uh, and uh, anyway, he has to pay big time. So Hillel is always our example of the one who never got angry. But that's called, that's not a level that we're going to talk about. We're going to look at the first four levels. And what I want you to do is to pay attention and see which class of people you fall into which category or hierarchy are you in okay so one of the ways that we measure anger and this is from john gottman who's a marriage 
uh, therapist and counselor is, you know, they look at how much couples argue. Okay, and the way they measure it is based on something called FID, frequency, intensity, and duration. So those are the measures. So how often do you argue? How heated does it get? And how long does it take you to calm down? Okay, so the most angry type of people is a person who gets angered against anything done against his will. And this is from the Ramchal, okay? He's full of anger all the time. His frequency, the frequency of his anger is very um, often. And <clears throat> he's so full of anger that his heart and his logic are not with him. And they actually give him a name. In Hebrew, he's called a Ragzan. And this is an angry person. And Shabbos, in the Gemara of Shabbos Kufhe, it says a person like him is someone who gets angry. And it's as if he worships idols, a Vodazara. <clears throat> so what do we mean when we say an angry person is as if they are worshiping idols? So Rav Uri Weisblum, who's a Rav in Eretz Yisrael, said, because a foreign God has taken over him. The first God was Hashem. And Hashem was the Melech, meaning his mind, so to speak. Just, just to tell you something interesting, the word Melech, to be king, to be a king over yourself, the acronym of the word Melech is, Mem is for the Moach, the mind, the brain. The lathe, the emotions, the mind should rule the emotions. And the chaf is for klayim, which are your kidneys, which is supposed to be the place of action in your body. So someone who's a melech over themselves means that their mind is ruling their emotions, which then, of course, leads to action. However, if you rearrange the letters of this word melech, you get the word lemech, which is a fool. Right? I think they have this word in Yiddish. They probably call somebody a lemach. He was actually a character in the Torah as well. Um, and lemach means that your lave, your heart, is at the top. And then comes your mem, your, your mind. And then your action. So obviously, this is the fool. This is the one who is not in control of himself. This is the person who has allowed their mind to leave them and replaced it with a foreign God. Because now the ship is being run by anger. And people who would normally consider themselves intelligent, when in a time of anger, they say, how could I do that? And what they've done is they've switched their leadership. They've switched from being led by the Melech, by the Moach, to being led by the Lave, this foreign God this emotional place, which we would call anger. <clears throat> I mean, when I used to think about this phrase that the person's worshiping of Odazara, I just thought that they've replaced God for worship of themselves, right? Because obviously, and worshiping yourself, which we said is very common in this generation, right? We live in a very narcissistic society. And Rabbi Jonathan Sachs said that the you know, they'll come along and study our generations. And, and actually, my husband was telling me, Rabbi Yosef Soloveitchik was writing about the narcissistic society in the 50s. Okay. And like I always like to say, <clears throat> I grew up in a generation that they called the me generation. <clears throat> so if we were the me generation, like, where are we now? You know, how many years ago was that? The 1970s. <clears throat> So this is not something that happened overnight. This has been a slow process of human beings worshiping the self as opposed to God, right? As Ben Shapiro says, we have three choices, God, the state, or ourselves, self-worship. And so, you know, this Avodazara that the Gemara talks about, that when a person's angry, they're worshiping an idol, I would say that idol is me. How could you do this to me, Right? I am the center of the universe. How dare you? 
Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> so in this number one person, this person who's called the Rugzan, we would say that the frequency and intensity of his anger is very high. His tolerance threshold is very low. And he's the only one who actually is given a name called the Rugzan. He's full of anger. His heart is not with him. He's lost himself. He's out of control. Most people are not in this category. And if we are, it's important to understand why we are. Okay, the second category. The second category is somebody who is not angered by every single thing done against his will, little or big. But when he is angered, he gets really angry. Whoa, watch out. He gets really angry. So this is the one who the Mishnah refers to as the one who's hard to anger. It's hard to anger this person, but it's also very hard to appease them. They don't get angry frequently, but boy, when they do, it's intense. And the duration of how long that anger lasts is a long time. Did your mother come out of her room yet? Okay. Um, so this is opposed as opposed to easy to hanger and art hard to appease. Sorry. Okay. So, so this person, again, not a frequency issue, but an intensity and duration issue when anything is not the way he likes it. The bus was late. Someone disagrees with me and doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't agree with my hashkafas in, you know, Jewish philosophy and the way I see things. The food in the restaurant is cold. How dare they? Right? They're just irritated by the minor and major inconveniences of life. I don't know. I think a lot of us might fit into this category. I don't know about the um, duration. So this is obviously... Uh, connected, that there's a very close relationship between anger and arrogance, right? Arrogance and anger are partners. Because so often what makes us angry is, you know, we expect things to go the way we want them to. And when they don't, we get angry. Now, Rabbi Uri Weisblum ex explains that many people are not haughty in the classical sense, we're not talking about someone who's strutting around like a peacock saying, you know, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, arrogant Ari, you know, you read that book to your kids, I'm the best, okay, and everyone else is beneath me. But all of us have an issue of gaiva, of arrogance, when we expect everything to go my way. And this is the nakuda of gaiva. This is really the source of the gaiva that all human beings experience. Because most of us have certain expectations. We have expectations that things should go the way we want them to, right? Why is that $20 on the table? That's not the way I wanted it. I didn't want it to be like that. I don't want you to talk like that. I don't want you to um, go there now when I can't come, whatever it is. So this is the connection between anger and arrogance. We're very frustrated when things don't go my way. And what's the uh, antidote, obviously, is to have more anava. Anava, anivus, is humility. The more we practice anivus, the less anger we will have because we won't expect things to go. And of course, anivus is very much connected to bitachon, to trusting in God, because the more we recognize that we are not in control, right, and that things happen all the time that may not be to our liking and may not be perfect the way we wanted it to be, the more we can let go of our expectations which lead to anger. The more we can go with the flow, the more we can say, oh, Hashem, why are you doing this to me? 
why is why is this happening? What am I supposed to learn? How is this an opportunity for me to develop myself? To recognize that this is a trigger for me. And maybe it's teaching me something. I need safety. I need rest. I need space. I need self-care. I need to go and do whatever it is. I need to set up uh, fences for myself so this doesn't happen. I need to recognize that when I'm feeling this way, I need to do A, B, or C. Okay, so again, the, this category, the second category is even if we don't expect everything to go our way, generally speaking, when there is a hot topic, when someone pushes my button or triggers me, I'm going to respond very intensely. Okay, so it's not about um, it's not about frequency in this in this category. It's about when I do respond, it's intense, and I think we said it lasts a long time. Devora, yes, Renee, I'm going to ask you. I don't see I don't see the um, the relationship between the arrogance, the gaiva, mm-hmm. and the anger. I don't get, because arrogance to me is a quality that somebody might have. Yeah. So we said the the traditional, sorry, Renee, finish up. Sorry. Go ahead. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, Like we said, the traditional type of arrogance is somebody who's, you know, thinks they're better than everybody else, who looks down on other people, who walks around feeling like they're the gift to the world, right? Mm -hmm. But this, 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 this other aspect of arrogance which is really the 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 root of anger is how dare you talk to me like that or i can't believe the person you know left just because i was five minutes late what a chutzpah okay so so i'm saying so it's the arrogance of things are supposed to go the way i want them to and that is a certain type of control that comes from feeling that you know Anything less than what I want is going to set me off. It's going to get me angry. It's going to trigger me. I I expect the house to look the way it should look before Shabbos. And how dare you, you know, do something, not do something that ruins my um, sense of perfection, of, you know, what's, what's supposed to be that you obviously don't value enough. So it's coming from a place of me, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And when we're in that place, we can't even begin to objectively understand what might have really happened or where the other person was coming from or that what the other person was doing was completely unintentional. Harriet, you want to say something? Yeah. Do you think that... um... When someone is very angry and it's frequent, um, it's also coming from a place of insecurity and a place of, in a way, self-hate. Like they, yeah. they, I guess, you know, maybe if they're frequently angry, they don't like themselves for it. Well, and they, yeah. And if they, they don't like work themselves, on themselves. They don't like themselves for getting angry, you're saying? Or they don't, they just are yes. angry all the time because they just. Well, are. I think it's, it's a vicious, it might be a vicious cycle. You know, there's they're many, happy with there's themselves. many reasons for sure. Like when we're talking about arrogance, again, we're not talking about it in the classical sense. Mm-hmm. Right. So even if it's coming from low self-esteem and self-hatred, this, the root of it is still how dare you allow things to be the way that I didn't want them to be? Or because that's the trigger usually with the anger, right? That is the actual thing that makes us get angry. Right. Right. So, I mean, yes, there's many things. There's a lot of low self-esteem. Low self-esteem, right? Maybe they suffered from an angry parent or from, you know, being beaten up. So they do the same thing to other people, hurt people, hurt people. Right, so their anger may be away as maybe yes, maybe no. yes. Okay, but there's many reasons, and again, that's their homework. That's their homework. Why am I getting angry so often? I don't want to be like this. 
maybe I have a place of low self-esteem, of beating myself up, so I have to beat other people up, of only seeing the negative in myself, so I'm always focused yes. on, yeah. or, you know, paranoia, well, you know, they're doing it to me on purpose, they, you know, okay, let's just finish with um, this now, just to get this, thank you, everybody, um, so let's see, um, okay, so we're finishing up with the second category, so again, these are people who we don't expect everything to go our way, but when there is a hot topic, our, but, our buttons get pressed, we're triggered, and we respond very intensely. So the question to ask yourselves, ladies, is what triggers you? What are your hot topics? What are the things that get you really going? When somebody says, talks about that, when somebody does those things, you know, what gets you going? Is it the money left on the Shabbos table? Or do you, do you have a lot of inner anger when you, you know, did something yourself? You know, God forbid you broke something. You, you know, how long does it last? How angry are you, are you at yourself for how long? How intense is it? You know, there's a lot of self-directed anger too that is unhealthy. And when we have a lot of self-directed anger, it's just natural for us to send it out there too. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, you know, maybe Harriet, what you were, um, you know, um, pointing at is when we have self-directed self-hate, whatever it is, obviously we can direct it outwards, but that's more extreme type of uh, case. Okay. Number three, there are people who don't get angry over little things. When they get angry, it's minimal. They hold on to their intelligence. Okay, now this sounds like a wonderful person. They don't get angry. But the problem with this person is they hold on to their anger. They don't get angry frequently. They're not what we would call a balgaiva, that everything has to go the way I want it to. But yeah, it happens sometimes. And boy, when it happens, you know, even if they view it with a certain calm, these are the type of people who hold things. You know, I'm never going to forget what you said to me, right? I am never going to forget, you know, how you weren't there for me when I needed you. I will never forget that. I will never let that go. And you may, and you know, and this is more like hakpada, right? Internalized anger and resentment. They might not even know that you're angry at them. You might, you know, still talk to them and even smile and say, no problem. It's fine. It's great. Sure, I'll drive carpool for you, even though you never drive carpool when I'm in a situation and I can't get out and drive carpool. But sure, it's fine, right? But inside, you are in total loathing and you will never forget what that person did, said to you. How they stepped on your foot and never apologized. And oh, yes, they know what they did. They're not stupid, right? But maybe they didn't. But guess what? You spending forever and ever and ever hanging on to it. You never had a conversation with them. You never worked on letting it go and saying, why is he doing this to me? right? You weren't able to laugh it off and say, oh my gosh, that person, forget it. They don't mean it. They're just, they were born tactless. They were born with half their brain missing. I don't know, whatever, like give them a benefit of the doubt. Give them, you know, they were tired. They were hungry. You don't do that. You hold on to whatever anger it is that they have caused you. Okay. And these are people, again, they don't get angry very often, but when they do, they're never going to forget what you did to them. Devora, yeah. Devora, okay. it's Bev. That we used yeah, to have I a name. Know. We used to have a name for people like that. We call them injustice collectors. Oh, exactly. That's very good. Injustice and, collectors. And the joke was one. One would say they're carrying around their like Louis Vuitton trunk with them everywhere uh -huh. they go. It's this massive suitcase filled exactly. with injustices. Exactly. Very good. Thank you, Bev. 
Okay, so, um, so this is not a frequency or an intensity problem because they don't get themselves out of control. But what they have is a duration problem. They're injustice collectors and they just go from person to person who has insulted them and keep collecting baggage, right? Of all the different hurts and slights that people have done. Okay. Um, Devorah, sometimes, yeah. Devorah, yes. sometimes, yes. Muted, sometimes someone who holds on to something, when they come out with it, it's like, even if it was 45 years ago, it's yeah. like it's happening now. Yeah. Well, you know, I say yeah, like, yeah. and that know, is scary. It's like you, 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 you pour the poison for the other person that you're angry at, but you drink it yourself. And for 45 years, you've been drinking that poison. Yeah. Right. And the other person is totally yeah. oblivious. They might never have even known anything happened, even at the moment it happened. But you've created or a whole light, story. Or has gone on. You've yeah. created a whole story. You have a whole narrative. You have a whole, it's like got characters. It's got, you know, whatever. It's, it's a whole play. And you chew so it what over. Is that I, say called like, when... I say it's like a cow, right? A cow chews his cud, right? It's like somebody who chews yeah. it over and over and over again. And who are they hurting? Only themselves. So this is the person, like we said, it's less intense. It's not destructive at the moment. You're not like the porter, right? Who throws the furniture off the, 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 uh, the one who can't take it anymore. He can't carry this person and he just lets him have it. You're quiet. It's less intense. It's not destructive, but the duration is the issue. And therefore this person is called a ka'asan, an angry person. Why? Because we said he made the decision to hold on to his anger. And in Mishle, it says that ka'as, anger, rests in the embrace of a silly person. And we talked about this before in different vadim, but Rabbi Tversky there says, what's the difference between an intelligent person or a silly person? He says, the silly person is the one who can't let it go, who holds on to it. The anger rests with him right here. And he can never let it go. He never got to the secondary response. He stayed in that place of regesh. And he was never able to move it from the regesh to the secha. And again, moving it from the regesh to the secha when somebody's really hurt us, it does not take a day or a week. It can take years. But if we don't do the work, then we leave that toxic anger, hatred, Lotikom, Lotitor, Altisna, Achicha, Bilvavecha. We have so many admonitions in the Torah telling us you're not allowed to place a hate a person in your heart. But Sedek Tishpot Amitecha, you're supposed to judge your people with righteousness. You're not allowed to take revenge. You're not allowed to bear a grudge. Right? Hillel tells the convert who wants to know the whole Torah, he says, the whole Torah can be encapsulated in. You should love your friend the way you love yourself. Now the rest is all commentary. Now go learn because all the rest of Torah is just commentary. Penny, did you want to say something? Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to take a call. My volume's really down. Okay. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I can't hear you too well, so I'll have to put my ear closer. So I get it. I Exactly what we're discussing. What if someone says something? Something and they hurtful. apologize or maybe they, they say it really hurtful is it is the anger and the the build up and the hold in still justified if it was hurtful as opposed to someone just doing something that angered someone um something hurtful so you're asking if the person who responds in an angry way because they were hurt if that's okay yeah, or someone keeps that hurt and holds it against that person, and that person is circle one. Well, you know what? I, I don't want to get too into the specifics yet because we're going to get more into that as we go on. We're still kind of in the uh, defining different types of people, 
Okay, so fair enough. Can hold fair on enough. to that, Penny. Um, okay. Okay. All right. Let's see if we can just maybe finish these four different types of people. Okay. So again, this is the person who hangs on to their anger. Now, again, our primary responses are not in our control. Sadness, right? If we're prone to sadness, if we're prone to jealousy, if we're anxious people, these are things that just happen to us. And a lot of times the problem right away is there that we often beat ourselves up because of our primary responses. You know, I feel like this is such important information. I don't know if they teach it in Beis Yaakov or in the from schools, but a lot of times, you know, you read all about these great people and you learn Torah and you sort of like expect that you're going to be able to magically become a, 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 a righteous person in, in a moment's leap. And, you know, to recognize that it is a process, a lifelong process, and that, you know, when you fail, which you inevitably do with your primary response, you don't stop there and become stunted by beating yourself up and saying, oh, that's it. I'm never going to be the great person I wanted to be. Oh, I said I wasn't going to do this and I did it again. I said I wasn't going to get angry and I let, let him have it again. What is wrong with me? I'm a hopeless case. So, you know, or being really out of touch with your primary responses and burying them right? And trying to like externally have this righteous persona about you without ever really having done the work. And the work is the most important. Together with everything else, obviously the act actions and the commandments and all of the things that God wants us to do. But it, when it's coming, like the Ramchal says, from a place of nikius, of cleanliness, of having cleaned out your inner issues, then everything that you do for God, everything that you do in terms of keeping his Torah is coming from a place where you've done the work of purifying yourself, cleaning yourself up, right? And of course, it's a lifelong work. But again, what the Ramchal said is that without it, it's impossible not to do, not to fall into sin, because of the anger, because of the jealousy, because of the um, arrogance. So that's the work that has to be done. And that's what we're doing here, ladies. Baruch Hashem, you know, we're on this journey together. And just knowing what our work is, is already an incredible gift. You know, and um, puts us on the right path. You know, it says a tzaddik falls seven times. So, you know, there's a lot of different commentaries on that. I think it's from Shlomo HaMelech, a tzaddik. And the idea is, is yes, he falls over and over again. But the difference between a tzaddik and other people is that he keeps getting up. He doesn't beat himself up. He gets up and he tries again. Right? And he understands that God is valuing the efforts right? The difference between the society that we live in and that surrounds us and gets into our bones and the difference between the Jewish view of life is that it's not about the results in Judaism. It's about the effort. The results aren't in our hands. How much effort and also effort meaning how much of God are you putting into your efforts? Right? God, help me to stop getting angry. God, help me to stop speaking Lashon Hara. God, help me. Because just like we ask God to help us get out of a pit, or we else go help ask God to help us be successful in business, or help us to overcome our challenge, or help us to, you know, uh, be able to, you know, help this person who's sick or whatever. The same thing. We have to ask God to help us with our own correction, our, our medo that need correction, the work that we, he wants us to do. And again, like we said before, spiritual success is not measured by goal reached, but by distance covered. So again, we live in a results oriented 
world. What's the bottom line? You know, I want results. I don't get results. You're out of here. I don't need you working for me if I don't see the results. And okay, there is a place for that, obviously. But again, in God's eyes, in God's world, in the way that he looks at us, in terms of our real work in this life, which is self-development, becoming more of who we can be, accessing our greater potential, releasing ourselves from those limiting beliefs and those bad meto that keep us from being able to progress or just ignoring them, allowing them to just sit within us without even putting up a fight, right? This is what Hashem treasures. And this is what really matters ultimately. Not your bank account, right? Not how many toys we've collected, but again, our relationship between ourselves and others, which of course are augmented and um, reached a, a higher level when we begin with ourselves. It's not about you that has to change. It's about me that has to change, right? Or as they say, you know, when I point a finger at somebody else, three fingers are pointing back at me, you know, or the, the rabbis teach us the thing that bothers you the most about somebody else very often is a character trait that you yourself possess and you don't mm -hmm. see it. But when you see it in the other person, right? And that kid who's the most like you in the family, right? You know, then it bothers you or the kid who's most like your husband, right? No, anyway, that's even worse. Um, you know, but the point is, is that we, the work, it's so much easier to say, it's your problem. You have to change. You've got to fix yourself. Right? I was born this way. What's your excuse? Hello? Um, so that is, that is the difficulty and that's the distraction. Okay. Let me think. See. So just to finish this idea of um, anger rests in the bosom of a fool. Again, the difference between the chacham, the wise person, and the foolish person is that they both responded in a way. They both get angry. And they both had a primary response of, whoa, I was out of control. Whoa, who was that? Right? But the difference between them is what am I going to do afterwards? What do I choose after my primary response? The Chacham knows how to regulate himself. He replaces the behavior with something else. And that's what we're going to talk about as we go further into this class, right? And he recognizes that he has to involve himself in surah, in developing this mida. And he understands that the secondary response is in his control and how, how to choose to respond. Okay, again, the choice to embrace anger is ours. Do I want to calm down or am I getting something out of my anger? What am I getting out of being angry? I'm getting the feeling of being right. I'm getting the feeling of being powerful. I'm having, getting the feeling of, and all of those, and also what I'm doing at the same time is I'm distancing myself from you. That's another reason why we get angry. It's a way of distancing ourselves from the other person, right? I don't want to have anything to do with you. So I'll push you away through my anger. Okay. If you want to do one more quickly, it's very short, and we'll finish these four for anybody who wants. Otherwise, you can listen to it on the recording. Okay, so here's the fourth category. Difficult to anger this person, and when he's angered, he's not destructive. This is a person who has anger for one second and not more. He's able to regulate himself easily and quickly. From the moment the anger sparked in him until his intelligence kicks in, 
takes a second. Most of us will ruminate over what made us angry and then our perhaps our secondary response when we see that we were we shouldn't have gotten angry, that we reacted too quickly is we'll apologize. But it usually takes time. Sometimes it takes a conversation. Sometimes it takes a realization. Oh, well, I thought you wanted that money on the table. I didn't know what to do with it. I left it there, right? I set the table on Thursday. So I figured you're going to come along and take it off. Well, that makes sense. That's logical. <laughs> yeah, okay. I can, I can hear that, right? But in the moment and you're hyper and you're upset and you've got little kids in your house all of a sudden, you haven't had them in your house for a year almost. And you're, you just noticed you left your own stupid cell phone on. And then you see the money, you're like already overloaded emotionally. You can't hear the other side of the story. Okay. But there are people who will become angry for a second and that switch from primary to secondary response will take a moment for their melech, their mind to kick in for them to be able to become objective. And these are the people who have no frequency, no intensity, and no duration. This is the level we want to reach, ladies. It can take 70 years to change Amida, according to the Chafetz Chaim. So we, we're works in progress. And of course, the highest level we mentioned was Hillel Hazakin, someone who's never triggered, someone who's never triggered. This is a gift. This is very rare. And this Dina Schoonmaker says is a very lucky person. But we don't know too many people like that walking this planet. Um, but obviously, there may be people who just, they just don't react. Now, the other side of that is, you know, they may not be the most passionate people in the world either, right? Um, usually they go together, anger and passion, the intensity and the duration, um, even the frequency. So there's always a good flip side. As we said, anger can be used positively. Uh, and we're going to talk more about that next week. Thanks for joining everybody. And uh, I hope your homework is to figure out which category